Hello, listeners, and welcome back to The Real Deal with Dee and Denise. I'm Dee Hubey. I'm Denise Newton. And we're your hosts. This podcast was recorded at 2 p.m. on Thursday, January 11th. Though some details may change, the essence of our discussion is timeless and critical. In today's episode, we're getting real about guns. We've also got a special guest joining us who brings an outside perspective to the conversation. His name is Sam Taylor. He officially moved to the U.S. from England in the later part of 2023, giving him a unique perspective on American gun culture. Hi, Sam. Thanks for being here. So we've got a lot to cover today from the stats and facts behind gun deaths to common sense solutions. I also talk about Wayne LaPierre and him resigning from the NRA after like 30 years of him ruining our life. <laughs> so we'll return to that in a second. But before I do that, Denise, I've got some really big news to share with you and our listeners. So I'm so glad Sam is here for this because we're engaged. We're very excited for this new chapter together. And Denise, I understand that the conference you were invited to that our listeners may remember from our last episodes is this upcoming weekend and that you'll be speaking on Sunday. Do you want to mention anything about that? Yeah. Um, and so this is a retreat. It was for readers and authors. And I was invited to come down and not only talk about my works, because I've written seven books, but also um, they're going to be discussing. I had a filmmaker that did a little mini documentary on me back in uh, October of 23. And so they're going to be discussing the documentary and I'll be answering questions about it. It's about my pilgrimage to, to Africa and what I do when I go there and how I've impacted the lives of some of those children over in Africa and things of that nature. So that's what the documentary is about. But uh, yeah, so I'll be doing that. And I'll also be at Barnes and Noble on Saturday, the 13th. We'll be there uh, with our books. Um, so if anybody's in the Charleston, South Carolina area, you know, stop in and say hi. Yeah. <laughs> And Denise, if anyone wanted to watch Africa is Calling, how and where could they do that? I can uh, put in our, I believe we have, chat, yeah, I'll put in our chat the link and then you can um, just, you know, uh, but yeah, I will. And I'll post definitely. it to our episode description too. So listeners can find it there. And I highly suggest that they check it out. Yeah, I want to check that out. Oh, well, thank you, Sam. <laughs> Dude, you found a good one. <laughs> I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right, listeners, enough of all of our happy stuff. It's time to get real. Denise, I know that you've been personally affected by the gun violence epidemic in America. Mm -hmm. I know that your nephew, Kenan Lamont Newton, was just nine years younger than you. And I know you thought of him so much more as a little brother than as a nephew. Yep. But in 2016, his life was unfairly taken from him when he was tragically murdered at 41 years old. So that case is still cold today, leaving, you know, yourself, your sister, and many other loving family members without answers and without justice. So I'm going to hand the floor over to you, Denise, but what, what can you tell us about that gut-wrenching experience? Well, first of all, I'll have to tell you a little, just a little bit about Ken. I won't belabor the, the topic too long, but please, he was just always just happy. He was, he was quiet. He was good. He was intelligent. He was more like a little brother because I was only nine when he was born. Um, my older sister was in her 
last year of high school when when she had him. And so he, we all grew up in the house together as siblings for the most part. He was a sibling. He, you know, I helped change diapers, but I was pretty young. I was at elementary school. Um, but when he he became manager of a pizza hut um, and he enjoyed doing that. And then he also started his own clothing store. He had a clothing line. Um, and so, and what he would do every year at the beginning of the school year, if there were single mothers that had trouble, you know, buying clothes or, and he sold sneakers and all of this stuff. Um, and if a mother had trouble getting school supplies and things or clothes for her children, he would let her come into his store and pick out certain things and give either super discounts or sometimes mm-hmm. he would give stuff for free. He would give haircuts to the children. He was he was a pretty good figure in the neighborhood because he did so much. It's just the way we raised our children to to give yeah. back. Yeah. Um, and so one night he was uh, he locked up his store. His two little nieces, his brother's daughter and his sister's daughter, um, they were about the same age and they wanted to go to the movies. And they called him up and said, you know, Uncle Ken, will you take us to the movies? And he said, yeah. He said, after I close up the store, I'll come get you. I'll drop you off. So he took the girls to the movies and he went to the gas station and went home. Uh, After the movies, he told the girls to call him when the movies was over. And the girls were calling and texting and he wasn't answering. So so one of the girls' mom texted the girls and said, "Um, what are y'all doing right now? Because I think she was trying to feel if they knew anything and they said well we're standing outside the movies waiting for Uncle Ken and he's not here and we're still waiting and so she said I'll be there in a few minutes I'm going to come pick you guys up so they couldn't understand why you know she was coming to get them instead of Uncle Ken and so I guess she told them in the car but to make a long story short um I need to back up for a second it was the last day of school which was June 10th 2016 and you know the kids go home early on on last day of school half a day and the kids that went home, um, our staff went to Olive Garden and um, they have our staff luncheon and everything. And I was kind of going through my phone and my, my nephew and I were friends on Facebook, but not Instagram. But that particular day, he started following me on Instagram. And there was a picture he had posted there that looked like either he was crying or had been crying. And I said, the picture looked weird. I said, well, maybe it's just the lighting or it's just a bad picture. I said, but he like he's crying to me. And I said, when I get home, I'm going to call him. But what happened, I was working on my second book at that time. So by the time I got home that evening and got on the computer, I kind of forgot about it. But his daughter started trying to get me on Facebook Messenger through an audio call on Facebook Messenger. And she kept calling me and I didn't answer because Kendra has my cell phone number. So I said, she, this must be an accident. Why she keep trying to call me? But she kept doing it. And so finally I answered her through Facebook messenger. And I said, Kendra, what is it? And she's, and she was hysterical. And she said, um, my dad, my daddy's dead. My daddy's dead. And I said, what do you mean your daddy's dead? And she, so she told me that when he dropped those girls off at the movies that day, that evening, he went to the gas station. Obviously this car followed him home, him home. And when he got out of his car to go in his house, he bought, always bought this car in the backyard. Two guys uh, ambushed him. And they shot him three times and one of the bullets pierced his heart. And it's because they know these were guys that used to hang around his store. So they knew that oftentimes he would take whatever he made that day. He would either take his bank, his money to the bank. Well, this particular night he didn't. They were following him and they knew that he went home, that he didn't go to the bank. And they robbed him. And he had about twelve, thirteen thousand dollars $13,000 on his person at that time. And um, 
So when we got the call, you know, my mom was hysterical because I had to tell her my mom fell to the floor. I had to try to get my mother off the floor. When I called my, my kids, my son was very close to him. My son was just, everybody was just distraught because how they just took his life. Just, you know, just like that. And so, but the thing behind that is what I need to to talk about. And, and this is getting to the gun thing too. Now he he was, he he carried, his gun was on the seat. He had, he had a license to carry, but he never had a chance to, He somebody said they think he tried to reach back to get the gun, but the guys shot him before he could do that. And so, oh um, you know, and the thing is from 2016 until today, January 11, 24, they're saying they don't know. They have no more leads. The lead they had went cold um, and they have just put that away as a cold case. And the only thing, if there was anything positive out of this was the fact that my sister was already deceased. My sister died. His mom died at 47. Um, and she wasn't here. That was her first baby, you know. Um, but it's been hard for our family because we have no answers. It's like his life didn't matter. Uh, the police, law enforcement, it's just like, we don't know. You know, you guys going to be, you know, I don't know what to tell you kind of thing is this the attitude they took. But my point is that to this day, there is, they just approaching this as, we don't know who did it. And, you know, we don't know what to tell you. And it's hard because here's somebody was cut down in the prime of his life, shouldn't have died that way, got shot right straight through the heart. And he was a good force in the community. A lot of people were devastated when he was killed. And um, there's absolutely nothing we can do. And this is why when you asked me if I felt comfortable talking about it, yeah, because I feel like the more I talk about it, the more that, you know, I, I will never stop seeking justice. I still call my sister and I, we still call the detective from time to time and say, you heard anything, have you anything at all? It's always no, the cold case, no, you know, who knows what might happen eventually. They just have no empathy. It's like. But you guys don't. calling up is the only way you're ever going to progress it further. I'd imagine. You're right. You're right. And and it's been it's been tough. And for a long time I was super angry, but I had to remember you can't get yourself that deeply involved. And it's it's been so hard because anybody, again, getting right back to what we're saying, anybody can get their hands on a gun for any reason. So now I know that you you have money. I watch you, I watch your behavior for a while. And I know when you leave your store, most of the time you go and make a drop at, at your bank. But this particular night, we were going to follow you to the bank, but you didn't go to the bank. You did us even bigger favor because you went home in your backyard, make it easier for us to sneak up on you, take your money and take your life. And it it just means, it just feels like it means nothing. And, but I, I still going to seek justice. I still believe that the people who took his life will eventually pay. I remember I was on a previous episode, Denise, but I remember you saying the value of life is just so diminished and just not what it, what it was historically. It's just like how people view life. It's just like, oh, someone killed someone. That's a big deal. Like, that's a huge deal. Look how quickly we get over tragedies. You know when I knew we were in trouble? It was in 2012. I was teaching first graders. And that's when Newtown, Sandy Hook, was first graders and when mm -hmm. that news report came out that night i cried i don't didn't know not one of those children i just look at them faces that was popping up on that screen and i sat there and cried like those were my natural children because i couldn't imagine what those parents were feeling in that moment these children were six their bodies were completely destroyed uh, by that high, that high power 
rifle. And the next day I had to go to work with a room full of six-year-olds. And I remember when they were coming in that into the classroom that morning, I turned away from a lot of them because I tried to, I didn't know how much the parents had talked to them. I didn't want to open up something I shouldn't have, but it was hard for me to keep my emotions under control that morning. And I had to turn away. And I remember my little, my little redheaded Gabe. And he said, Miss Sandra, why are you crying? And I was like, I'm not crying. He said, yes, you are. I saw you. I saw you crying. And then he said, I know why you're sad because those little kids got killed yesterday and you think that was us. And I was, at that point, it was three of us teachers in the room at the time. We all just pretty much just kind of lost it. He said, you're, you're sad because you're thinking that could be us. And I'm like, and then when we had a drill, an active shooter drill, and me and another teacher in the same room, and I had to take half the class and get under a table. She had to take half the class and get under a table. We had to, we had to put a piece of paper over the window at the door. And the kids under the table with me were almost ripping my shirt off because they were afraid because they didn't know that, that, you know, I'm trying to explain it's a drill, but I didn't want to tell them it's a drill. So if something real happens, they don't think, oh, it's probably just a drill. But I had to tell them, okay, baby, it's going to be okay. They're holding on to me. They're trembling. I got 12 children under a table. And in my mind, I'm saying to myself, if this was real and someone was able to get in this room, how would I be able to protect these babies. I couldn't. There's no way. Yeah. I would have to see these children just get obliterated by a weapon if I didn't get obliterated first, you know? And and it's like that was the scariest thing I ever encountered in my life when we went through those active shooter drills and and then they told us if we had a child that wasn't in the classroom at the moment the drill was called, we couldn't go searching for that child. Oh my god. And that day we had one little girl who was with a reading teacher. And I didn't know if she, it was about time for her to leave the reading teacher and come back to our class. So I didn't know if she was out in the hallway and I was like, I, I want to go find her. And they was like, no, you cannot. Let's just hope one of the other teachers grabbed her up out of the hallway and took her in the classroom. But I couldn't, I couldn't go. And if they had been in the bathroom, if a child had been in the bathroom, yeah. I couldn't leave out of the classroom to go to the bathroom to go look for that child. Yeah. See, right. So that, that to me just sounds crazy. An active fire drill. I'm on an active shooter drill, sir. I'm only used to fire drills. So, but like, you have a fire drill, right? What do you do? You stop the fire. If it's faulty wiring, you fix the wiring. So why are we not fixing this gun issue? And that's the million dollar question. Yeah. Because it's too lucrative. Mm-hmm. We should still be mourning Newtown until this day. This this blows my mind because to me, right, I remember, I don't remember it, but I know about the last school shooting in England, 1996, Dunblane. We know about it. I, we They're ingrained into our knowledge because they are so big news that, like, we don't forget it. Whereas over here, it's just like, oh, yeah, there's another shooting. There's another shooting. Yeah. It just becomes, right. doesn't affect you as much it's anymore. You just become immune to it. Desensitized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in 2023, so there were more mass shootings than there were days. Yes. And they're targeting schools. We're talking about six-year-old children who some of them couldn't, they couldn't even have an open coffin or anything because they had no face left. You know, and, and it's it's like... How fast do we get over that? I can't yeah. imagine my six-year-old baby leaving my arms that morning to go to school. Bye, mommy. I'm going to school. Have a good day. Have a good day. And my child having to return to me in a box. 
you know, I, I, my mind can't get me there, but we are so desensitized because it's happening so much that we've come to expect it. Mothers that send their children off to war. I mean, like they have to see their kids join the military and go deploy or serve somewhere under that. They can't even, it's unimaginable to them to have their child come home in a box, let alone you sending your six-year-old to yeah. school, to school, to school. Yes. To school. Well, that, it's supposed that's to be one of the safer places outside should, your home. Yeah, should be a safe environment. It should be nowhere safer than the home, the school. That should be it. It's safe. Of the developed countries, we are the most dangerous. We are. And and it's one of those things that, that my friend that lives in Germany, and she says she's never coming back home to stay. <laughs> because, you know, you're looking at it from over there, and every day we got a mass shooting somewhere in this country. And they and they're 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 deliberately choosing schools. It's like they send the most heinous message, the most evil messaging by taking these little ones, these young people, and just like saying, look, there's no bottom to our evil. There's no end to how evil mm -hmm. we can become. Uvalde was when you look at what came out of that one. Little girl had to cover dead. herself in her own friend's blood to make herself look like she was dead, to keep the shooter from killing her. She covered herself in her friend's blood. Parents had to identify their children by their shoes. Um, and then at the beginning of the year, they want to give these kids, you know, that usually at the beginning of the year, they give you a, a stack of papers to take home to sign and different things. They want to give everybody a DNA kit. There is in case no something like this happens again, uh, each, each family will have a DNA kit to identify their child. Wow. That's what they wanted to do. And what Texas were proposing to do is give each family a DNA kit. Because most of those children worse. had to be identified through DNA. Yeah, there's nothing worse than a school shooting. A school shooting is the worst, but that's where they start. That's like the starting point. Oh. And yeah. having to buy your child a, a bulletproof backpack. You have to buy your child a bulletproof backpack. Like you said earlier, Sam, we're used to having fire drills. The yeah. alarm goes off, everybody get in the single file line, you go out the building or whatever. Not now, you got to put all these things in place. If this happens, you go over there, you have to do this, you got to get under here, make sure you got a bulletproof book bag. Uh, teachers, you got to take this many children and cram up under a table or get in a closet. This is where we are. And nobody seems to feel like that's out of the norm. Like it's exactly. the normal now. Exactly, and one of, the, one of the actions that I saw was like armed teachers. Oh my God, we're just getting more and more into it. Just take a step back the officer at yovaldi school shooting was outside the building armed did not enter for like i don't know some Almost incredible no. amount of time did nothing to save these kids lives and you think that a teacher who is not a law enforcement officer not trained with a weapon not trained to engage with an active shooter is supposed to be able to draw their gun and and what hunt this shooter through the hallway or something? I heard Not another man say, children will probably get that hold of that gun too. Yeah, that is the most NRA thing I've ever heard in my life. NRA instead of resolving the issue, let's just compile the issue. Just keep throwing guns at everybody because the NRA does not care about people or gun owners, despite what they want, what they want you to think. The NRA cares about the product, not the people. And their sole interest is to sell more firearms and make more money for gun manufacturers. It Absolutely. is not 
and has never been for at least the past 25, 30 years about the people. And Wayne LaPierre has been one of the worst of them. And yes, he has resigned facing corruption charges because he embezzled and stole a bunch of money from NRA members. But anyways, the proof is really just... (laughs) Smith and Weston, Ruger, all of these gun manufacturers give so much money, like to the point where some of them will purchase. If you buy a firearm, they'll purchase an NRA membership for you. Another one gives $2 for every gun sale to the NRA. The NRA, thankfully, is beginning to fall from power as an organization. Their funding is down. Wayne LaPierre did a lot of problems to the organization, but the NRA's job is already done. They were already so sinisterly, sinister, I don't even know if that's a word, but so demonically successful in changing the narrative and changing the conservative ideology around guns. Because it used to be that conservatives cared about gun owners. They cared about people respecting a weapon. They cared about people who had them knowing how to use them. They were all in favor of background checks. They were in favor of of training courses for people to know how to properly handle a firearm. But now all of a sudden, that's not the narrative anymore. And the NRA was really successful in pushing that narrative. And so now it doesn't matter if the NRA dissolves as an organization because they've already done the damage. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And then and it's, it's corporate greed because the NRA breaks in so much money that yeah. their wet dream is to have each and every person in this country armed. Well, they are doing well because per 100 people in America, there are 101 guns. So there is a gun for every American. It officially. is. That's not even counting on uh, like guns we've not accounted for. Absolutely. I saw yeah. a, a, a oh. conversation the other day where they were talking about children being able to be armed. Children, you hurt me. They have, yeah, with children. assault rifles. With Child, assault. tiny, preschool assault rifles I'm here with dylan from we one tactical and he is going to show me something really cool the new line of 22 long rifle ar-15 style guns that they have out for the for the new shooters so. all right here we have the jr-15 we one tactical we're launching it this year at shot show 2022 it is a youth model ar inspired platform the firearms functions like a standard ar all the internal fire control groups are the same style but scaled down 20 percent um, it is uh, designed as a first shooter firearm platform. And that's, uh, even though it is smaller, even adult can use it if they, when they're yes, out sir. there shooting with the, with the youth. There's no catastrophe that can come from that, of course. Yeah, and it's very easy to get a gun. Not only are they everywhere you turn, but they're so easy to legally obtain. And You're taking away that you don't need a permit to purchase a firearm anymore. And for most of them, you don't need a life. You don't need anything. Just go buy it. Right. Just be 18 and go buy it. Right. And it's ridiculous because for them to say that these gun laws don't mean anything. Okay. Connecticut in 1995, Connecticut put into place a licensing law, which is pretty comprehensive. Um, it's It's more than just the universal background check. It 
checks more databases, not just the FBI. It has references, that kind of stuff. In the 10 years following 1995, from when Connecticut put that gun law in place, their gun deaths plummeted. In Missouri, they removed their licensing law in 2007. And in the 10 years following, guess what happened? Their gun deaths spiked. So <laughs> for them to say that these gun laws don't work or don't matter is factually incorrect, well, verifiably got, false. From Bill Clinton to George W. Bush. I mean, to, uh, yeah, uh, George Bush. Clinton with the anti-assault uh, weapons ban, uh, with the assault weapons ban, they said the gun deaths went way down. They, they were re-implemented under, under Bush. And yeah. they blew up again. Gun, gun control has to be progressive. It has to change with the times. It has to change with technology. Literally, right, so the first gun control in England was in 1594. Wow. After, an after an assassination, Queen Elizabeth I was worried about getting ass assassinated, so she banned what the uh, wheel-lock pistols near the royal palace. And then that has just been a thing that's like grown with the times. As technology improves, as guns improve, you change your laws to match the guns. You don't just match the guns from 200 years ago, whenever. You have to adjust with the times. And that's just that's not, not, it doesn't, doesn't seem to happen in America. In England, after Dunblane Massacre, which I mentioned before, they basically put in, it's the 1997 Firearms Act Amendment. And, and since then, there's been no school shootings. Gun crime is down to like thirty kills, thirty homicides a year via guns. As a, Compared to over forty thousand a year in the U.S. Yeah. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Wait, Sam, I'm confused. Are you saying that a real government that cares about things is supposed to update their laws when the times change? I mean, so sounds I, crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of things in England I'm not proud of. I think the gun control is quite good. I mean, it's like an AR-15, you can still get one in England, which I was surprised to find that when I researched it. But, like, it is very, very difficult. You're just putting roadblocks in place. If you've got a good enough excuse, you can have whatever you want, but you need a good excuse. You need a good reason. If you don't have the reason, they, you're not... That's ready. part of your process, right? Like, they yeah, do, like, a licensing the thing, and they ask you why you want a gun. Yeah, so if I went for a license, the, the police would come around to my house, do a quick interview, I think it's about 40 minutes, ask why I want a gun, even if it's just for fun. Then they'll inspect yeah. where you're going to keep the gun. You know, I think about what the former prime minister, of New, was it New Zealand or Australia? I can't remember which one of the two, but I think it was that last synagogue um, oh, New Zealand. murder that happened there. And then what she did, she banned those assault weapons like the next day. She didn't She's think about awesome. it. She and she was like the youngest it. prime minister ever. It's yes. New Zealand. Yeah. She banned She was like, listen, no, this, no, we're not doing this. She banned them the next day. Nobody here in this country has the, 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 the fortitude to say the, our citizens mean more than uh, this blood money. You're 100% right. I really honestly tried to give every kind of benefit of the doubt. I knew I wasn't going to agree with the majority of things, that, but I was like, you know, maybe there is some kind of common ground, something that we can find. And as you know, and our listeners definitely know, Ronald Reagan, my arch nemesis, you wouldn't imagine I could have 
anything possibly good to say about that man. But what I will say is when, you know, he was a, there was an assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan's life. And after that, he personally went to Republican controlled legislatures across the country and personally advocated for them to pass gun laws because he was personally affected by gun violence. That was and so, but at least I'll give him that. Right. And you, I, you, one of you had mentioned Bush earlier when Bush got elected governor of Texas. The first law that he enacted was to loosen gun restrictions and enact constitutional carry, which is open carry. Hell yeah, brother. We're going to carry our guns. And <laughs> that is how you see us, isn't it? Then when you have so many of these conservatives, when they take family photos, when we used to take family photos, we're, we're in the picture. If it's a little kid in the picture, they may have a teddy bear or something. You've got all these people like to take these pictures holding these, these AR-15s and these machine guns and the little children holding up guns that weigh more than they do. And the NRA has had such a big role to play in that. And and, and this is the face of America now, because when people yeah. look at two things pop up, uh, when people think about America, they think about this gun issue and, and, the, and the high rate of murders that we see in this country every day through guns. And then secondly, they see the, 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 the racial craziness and madness that go on every day here. But that gun thing, when I see people like Lauren Boebert and all of them that take family photos with small children holding guns, and I'm like, what is that exactly? What, what are you doing? How, how, how does that make you look like a person? I, I got to run and go vote for this person because she's, her whole right, family yeah. likes guns. holding killing machines. Yeah. To me, to me, from the outside looking in, owning a gun shouldn't be a right. It should be a privilege. To own Thank a gun, you. you should have to pass certain stringent laws, whatever, and it should be a privilege. And you can have that privilege taken away from you. It shouldn't be a right. Do you mean like driving a car, Sam? Correct. Oh, point. my goodness. Do you mean you want me to have a license to have a gun the same way I have a license to drive a car? That, that seems be, a bit extreme. That would be this stupid Englishman's interpretation, but I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? But you're absolutely—you're just absolutely right. And it's just getting worse. What they want to drop—they want to raise the voting age in this country and drop the age to be able to buy guns. How about that? You don't even—and and the and the age to buy a gun means nothing because otherwise, seventeen-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse wouldn't have had possession of a gun to kill those people that he killed. And then they made him such a national hero. Yeah, now he's a fucking, life. sorry, now he's an effing savior. Like, what? <laughs> it oh was, I, I really used to watch that in, in shock and horror. Like, they are treating this man as a god. And yeah. he, you might as well say he took three lives, but the guy whose bicep he blew off, he can't, you know, he'll never really use that arm again like he like he used to. Uh, he's, he's, in essence, now disabled because of it. So... You made him out to be a guy because he killed somebody. And, and I'm, they, I watched, I don't, didn't watch it, but a clip came up one time of that Turning Point USA, you know, it was to have all those young conservatives would be there. They were prepping him in the back before they called his name. They said, because when they called his name to come to the stage, it was going to erupt into cheers. And he, he was back, like in, in the, in the back, backstage, like he was Rocky Balboa or somebody oh getting ready to go God. out into the ring. He just couldn't wait to get out there. And when they called his name, and he walked out on that stage, that audience erupted into wild cheers. The man killed 
to yeah they, they they're parading him as if he was like a world war Two hero no he wasn't killing nazis he was killing americans americans <laughs> protesters because yeah. somebody and he decided boom boom but look what the cops did right after that he walked past cops cops gave him some water would you like a oh nice job on that killing my murder by the way here's a bottle of water for you if you're thirsty that's the way they they treated him so yes but if he, that was a black man he I would be dead when I the cops see, arrived on yeah. scene i was saying like i literally didn't see any cop offering george floyd any water like what what the, the differences are so there to look at one in five U.S. adults have been threatened with a gun in their lifetime. One in six have personally witnessed someone be shot. One in six. One in six. I can't imagine. <laughs> so if you were to take the three of us on screen and double it, one of us would at witness at a minimum somebody be shot in our lifetime in the u.s well two of you served though so <laughs> <laughs> so maybe our stats are a little bit better sam yeah <laughs> oh. it's just but look at the people that walk into stores like target and walmart with an ar-15 slung on your back why what are you expecting when you go to store worse yet and here's how you know that that's a uniquely white thing that you can do because yeah. the gentleman who was murdered by police inside of a Walmart because he picked up an item that is sold inside Walmart that had an orange tip on it and Gina. it looked like an AR-15 for the most part but it was like a BB gun or an airsoft gun mm -hmm. or whatever he picked this thing up in the store of which he was shopping at to buy for his kid and was murdered by police who responded to calls of a quote unquote active shooter. He was yep. not armed with anything. Yes. And, and if you need an AR-15 to take down a deer, then you need to, to go and take some shooting lessons. Since you're not being honest, because you're ruining that meat. Like you're not a I'm hunter. I'm ready to say that because if you're going to shoot that deer with an AR-15, there's going to be nothing left of that yeah. deer when you shoot it. The meat would be inedible anyway because it'd be so full of bullets and blood and everything else. And I'm like, you're lying about why you want these weapons. One of the things that go to me that that, that really gets me is I did a, a, a writing one time where where injustice has a name. It's called us. This was the name of it. And I had African drums playing in the background. But one of the things that I did was took the last words of 30 people in this country before they died as they were encountering police right before they got shot. I talk about those things. And I think about little seven-year-old Yana Stanley in, in Detroit, Michigan. She's laying on the couch at her grandmother's house, watching TV. The cops bushed up in the wrong apartment. They broke up in there and they shot that seven-year-old laying on the couch sleeping and killed oh her. That was so, and because when it comes to black lives, uh, it's shoot first question later. And then even when you question, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's a black life, so don't worry about it, you know. But when it's well, white Kyrie. lives, do you want some water, Kyle? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Do you want some water? And, and it's like, it, you hear of so much of this. You When you shoot somebody in the back, is you know, you're supposed to be at fault because this person is walking, getting away from a situation. So, yeah, so yeah. many or times, duty you have surgery. shot in the back and killed. 
Um, and, and just like, like Laquan McDonald, Chicago, Illinois. I know that probably most of the armed or, or carrying people in America, by and large, a lot more white people carry than black people. Um, because I used to have to tell my grandson, this is like, he keeps talking, I want a gun, I want a gun. And I said, one thing that makes me nervous about that is even if he's licensed and has the, 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 the concealed carry license. If he's seen with a gun, because North Carolina is supposed to be an open carry state. Can you imagine a young black male open carrying anywhere? Anywhere. You can't, you're going to go to, you can't walk into a convenience store. You can't, I mean, honestly, that's what I mean. It's a uniquely white quote unquote opportunity. And even then, I don't know how well that works out for them, but I don't know how anyone in America can pretend that that's something that, that everyone is afforded. Absolutely not. You, you're living in an open carry state, but only certain people are allowed to open carry. Because I have been in Target and seen four and five of them walk in with AR-15s um, strung across their backs. And, I, and it makes me, every time it makes me wonder, when you come out, what are you, what are you expecting to encounter that you feel like you need to walk out of the house with an AR-15? Yeah, and I mean- then a lot of them are under the delusion that only conservative people have guns because they, they said liberals don't liberals don't have guns and i was like they don't no they don't have guns and i was like oh well you might want to talk to a, quite a few people in my family including myself um because yeah we we got them too well i bet it's not as many i don't kids this is not a, a competition the fact is that some some can get away well look at what happened day six as a United States Army veteran, for me as a Black American, to see people parading through that building with the Confederate flag. And there were people armed that day, by the way, Marjorie Taylor Greene. There were people, many people armed that day and was willing to do Trump's bidding. All they were waiting for him was to give to, to give the, the notice to go do, and they would have done it. And this is nobody seems to want. I know there's people who want to address this, and Democrats want to do something about gun control. But unless we get a supermajority, right? I will say, I was doing some research in preparation for our episode, and yeah. I was looking at the amount to see if there's some kind of correlation between gun laws, well, a mass shooting, and gun laws. So basically, did people enact? Did our country, did our Congress, did our legislatures in our states enact any kind of laws to make us safer or not safer after a mass shooting? Over the past several decades, federal gun legislation has been very, very, very rare. So we did see one, like you had mentioned earlier in the episode, after the Columbine shooting in the 90s. But, (laughs) and this was a data set that was done over 25 years. In the states, across the 50 states, 3,000 laws have been passed. And Democrats were more likely, of course, to pass tighter gun laws, whereas Republicans were typically loosened gun laws within the next year following a mass shooting. But there was a really big key difference that I came across. So mass shootings had no statistically significant effect on the number of laws that were passed by Democrats in the year following a mass shooting. However, for Republicans, 
a mass shooting roughly doubles, doubles the number of laws passed that loosen gun restrictions in the year following. What that's insane. They decide that's the way to go forward, like loosen it. That is absolutely insane. More than doubles. Does that just show how much the NRA are ingrained in most decisions in that sort of aspect of the world? Yeah, it does. Because the NRA does play a role from, even if it's fallen from its former glory, they changed everything. It's, it's crazy, but think about when Barack Obama uh, was running in his first, during his first candidacy. And when he made that comment about the people clinging to their guns and Bibles, boy, did they want to crucify him as a result of that. Then that to them meant if he became president, he was going to come for their guns. Mm-hmm. nobody has ever ever alluded to wanting to take guns away yeah. they want sensible gun legislation so guns don't end up in the hands of the wrong people this is what tells you that we have lost that that narrative in this country because when you say somebody that has been diagnosed with a mental illness should not be prevented from being able to to purchase and carry a gun why would you give a gun to somebody who clearly has a mental illness. Why would you do yeah. that? Yeah, or a record or something. Considering we learned this in our in our War on Women episodes, sixty eight percent of mass shooters have a history of domestic violence. That's domestic mm-hmm. violence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know in exactly. England, I've got a friend. Obviously, it's England again. But literally, he got done drink driving. Guns got took off him the next day. That would never happen here. No, and not in a million years. Mm-hmm. Not in a million years. Gun deaths, okay, from 2000 to 2013, so 13-year window here, the number of gun deaths, and the numbers are so much higher today, just so we're clear. But the numbers of gun deaths from, 20, from 2000 to 2013 well exceeded the number of deaths from AIDS, drug overdoses, the Iraq and Afghanistan wars and terrorism combined. What? Wow. That is, that's, that's insane also. Among the developed world, this, this, these gun deaths, this gun epidemic is a uniquely American problem. It's an American problem. And it all goes back again to nothing but pure greed. And again, um, I'm not trying why- to bash Republicans or or hate on them or their ideas or their policies. But if we're talking about this issue, let's see here. The number one worst state for gun deaths in the U.S. is Mississippi. Then the top five are Mississippi, Louisiana, New Mexico, Alabama, and Wyoming. So we can assume that they do not have very stringent gun laws gun control laws at all. And we can assume that those states are headed up more by the GOP. They sure are, Denise. And guess which states actually are the lowest in gun deaths? I'm sure you'll be so shocked to find out that that's Massachusetts, Hawaii, New Jersey, New York, and Rhode Island. What's what's the difference, the contrast to the ones you just said a few minutes ago? Those Could it states. be who controls their state legislature, Denise? Oh, the common denominator. 
Those are Republican controlled legislatures. That is that that is it. Republican control. And and this is it seems that that's all they have. But when you got the NRA has pretty much bought and paid for the majority of our legislators. Yeah. They are beholden to the N NRA. And if they say you better not vote for any gun legislation, I don't care what happens. You better not vote this. You better not vote that. They're not going to do it. And it is so crazy to me because having the NRA, okay, despite what the NRA will tell you, if you were to go to the NRA website, it would say that they are the quote, longest standing uh, American civil rights organization. And they try to portray themselves really? as some kind of public interest group like the ACLU or the Southern Poverty Law Center. First of all, no. Second of all, they're lobbyists. Imagine if when we, okay, back in the day when tobacco was very, very big before we knew about the cancer and the blah, 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 blah that comes along with smoking. Nowadays, we know smoking's bad, tobacco is bad, it causes cancer, whatever. <laughs> they used to have the tobacco industry at the table during the conversations about public health. And they used to say that. Oh, those reports about about cigarettes causing cancer is fake. That doesn't happen. So to me, having the NRA who cares about nothing except the product and certainly not the people is the same thing as having the tobacco industry at the at the table about a conversation regarding the health effects of smoking, because <laughs> you know where their interests align and it's not with you yeah. or me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You see that in every aspect of society right now. The wrong people are deciding for the, everyone when they've obviously got their own interests. There's been, okay, this last week, just today is January 11th, 2024. In the past seven days, there have been 311 gun deaths and 580 gun injuries. Wow. In the past what? 11 days? Seven. Past week. In the past week, move to, I mean, move, you, you move don't America, even get a chance to enjoy a break in these things because there are no breaks. They're ongoing. This, the, some of the reasons that they, you kill people, I, to me, the only reason, good reason to kill somebody is self-defense. Plain and simple. If it's not self-defense, you shouldn't be killing anybody. And, right? But I have really serious stipulations about that, too, because... Stand your ground laws oh, yeah. can oh, be yeah. considered self-defense, yes. but most stand your ground laws do not include what's called the duty to retreat. And that's what you were talking about before, Denise, how if someone's running away, you can't shoot them in the back. That's but the right. duty to retreat is also on the person, as in if you have the opportunity to escape, if you can leave, if you can get out of this situation, you have a duty and an obligation to do that first before using some kind of deadly force. Well, what, what was this case? I, I think it was Florida, but there was an issue that went on with some black children were playing. It was apartment complexes and black kids were playing in, in the back and one kid had an iPad or something. And the white lady was annoyed because the children were playing. It wasn't doing anything to her property or her apartment. They were just, she just didn't want the children back there. So she took the child's iPad away and ran the kids and ran the kids from from where they were playing so the mother returns with the child knocks on the lady's door um to tell the lady 
Ashley, what went on with the kids? And I need to take get my child's iPad. I hear you got the iPad. She shoots through the door and kills the mother instantly in front of her, her child. And her defense was she was afraid of she was afraid for her life. Uh because oh, she said God. the mother was was yelling and, and, and whatnot. You shot through a closed door and you killed this mother because she was saying to you, can you come talk to me? What did, and, and there were neighbors and people who were witnesses that said the woman never raised her voice. All she did was ask the, ask the woman what happened and I want my child's iPad back. And she knew this was a black mother and she shot through the door and killed her. And so they are not, uh, they're, they're not, they did not charge her with um, murder, they charged her with something, a much lesser charge, because it couldn't be proven that she was actually not afraid for her life. And I, I've just looked that up, Denise, because, again, this happens so often. It's hard to kind of keep track of the amount of them. But her name was A.J. Owens. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's the one. A black mother of four. Mm -hmm. So four kids no longer have a mother. And they saw their mother get killed. <laughs> Imagine the trauma and the getting that, the, the, kid, the child who saw that, getting that child through life now, just from one meaningless act of violence. One. Can you imagine having to go through life, number one, never seeing your mom again, but two, you would you saw your mom lose her yeah. life. Yeah. I I know I would be messed up for the rest of my life if I witnessed that. Especially when my mom was only going to say, I need to get this iPad back or whatever. She but she stole. And is right. I mean that's that that cannot be a legal thing to have done. It cannot be legal for her to have taken that child's iPad. That's right. Absolutely. And stand your ground was definitely not for people of color. Um, and the castle doctrine and all that stuff. No, because the same doesn't apply because if I if the if the tables were turned and this black woman had taken a white child's iPad or did what this lady did and and got and she shot through the door, she would definitely have been charged with first degree murder. Absolutely, stand yeah. your ground laws are only is just like what we said before. There. These things might be laws that exist that you're legally allowed to do, but only certain people in the community are privileged, quote unquote, with Absolutely. that. Absolutely. We, we just see that all the time, mm -hmm. the whole Trayvon Martin thing and, you know, so many other things that have happened. And it's hard to sit down and have a conversation with the young ones in your family and try to, you can't make sense of the senseless, but you try. You know, and, and they say, well, why do these people get to do this and they get away with it? I'd be glad when the day comes that we don't have to try to explain there's a difference in the in, 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 in the races or ethnicity. Standard just, ground laws have led to like 8 to 11 percent increase in gun homicides and violent deaths. Mm -hmm. Yes. And let's think about the little uh, the little boy, Ralph Yarl, I think his last name was who went to go pick up his twin siblings. Oh, is this the wrong door? That yes. Knocked on the wrong yeah. door and got shot in the head through that. And what was so devastating to me is that he went knocking on other doors for help and got doors closed in his face. And oh. that man shot him twice. 
Mm-hmm. That man shot him through the door once in the head and again. Like, over, like he could possibly head. make me believe that he was still feeling in danger after having shot him and he's laying on the ground bleeding because he was laying on the ground bleeding when he shot him the second time. He sure did. Yes, so, he did. So stand your ground law, is that like across all states? Is that certain states? When was it introduced? What, like this? Te- you said 11% increase. And that was in the decade plus since Trayvon Martin's death because Trayvon Martin was his murderers were acquitted by using the defense of a stand your ground law, which is okay bonkers to me but then that was what 2012 yes like after the trayvon martin case happened other southern states decided conservative states to put in stand your ground laws if they didn't already have them and in the states that implemented stand your ground laws they saw an 8 to 11 percent increase in gun homicide yes Mm-hmm. essentially stand your ground laws which is the same thing as the castle doctrine like you mentioned denise is shoot first shoot first ask questions later it doesn't matter if this kid's here to sell girl scout cookies or to rob you kill them and then find Isn't out it? later yeah and it's Isn't always it? the same. even with the police it's always shoot to kill it's never shoot to maim it's never shoot the leg it's never shoot the foot so you're not taught that always shoot to el- eliminate to get rid of they I are literally taught that up to only fire your weapon. De-escalation is not a thing now. Yeah. But now it's not. It's like you got a broken tail light. Okay, get out the car. And if you ask one question, well, what did I do wrong? They don't want you to say anything. You get out, you you likely get shot in the head. That's why so many people don't want to get the black people of color particularly, you don't want to get out of your car. Yeah. You're, you're scared to death because you just don't know what they're going to do. I just can't put into, I just can't imagine my first reaction being to shoot. Like you said, just have a conversation to speak about it. Nothing. Because they know there's not going to be any consequences. Yeah, yeah. They know that, especially if it's a a racial thing, that the law is going to be on their side. Okay, one up. Look at Philando, Philando Castile, Minnesota, once again, that... He's in the he's on the passenger side. His girlfriend is driving, small child in the back seat, in the car seat. They get stopped for whatever reason. They ask if he had any weapons. He's telling them, if you give me a chance, I do I, I got a license to carry. I can get the gun for you. They shot and killed him right then with that four-year-old child and that woman sitting right there in that car. No, no regard for his life or theirs. Because what if one of those bullets had ricocheted or something and hit that baby back there in, the, in that car seat? No comfort. No de-escalation ever is, is there de-escalation. There's, there's bad coppers everywhere. Every country has their fair share of bad, bad police officers. But it seems like the U.S. is just such a higher percentage of these bad guys. It's almost like they're, they're grown to be this way. Absolutely. Because- we got a lot of people that are going into the military to get military training. So when they come out, they go into law enforcement. So yes. that they can legally military to cop pipeline. Mm-hmm. And those people are 25% more likely to engage in excessive force. Absolutely. Yes, they are. I'm glad that's a, I didn't know that statistic, but that's, that's terrible. That is just awful. Because it's hard for them to distinguish between a war zone and civilian interactions. Mm-hmm. And it's really crazy because even people in the military who are fighting 
you know, actual terrorists and whatever, they still have roles of engagement. They still have things that they have to do before they're allowed to take somebody's life. And this is during the act of war. So if you think it's fine, and I agree with this, to require members of the military during a time of war to still use the rules of escalation and to still consider those types of things when they're in war, then I really don't think it's unfair or too much to ask for our civilian cops to do that to American citizens. This is true. Or, you know, people in America. I mean, they've got all the same guns. They've got all this access to the same sort of weapons. Like, you know, these guys are still, they're still, this. A police officer with access to all his firearms is a killing machine, if given the chance. And also, why? Why are we militarizing our police departments? On the side of the cop cars, it says protect and serve. Where's the serving part of this coming? Find me the cop that's going to stop and help me. Well, you wouldn't want one to help you. You're right. You're right. One of the things Trump (laughs) is talking about is giving the police even more powers. You know, if he were to get back in office, for them to just destroy citizens, protests, call in the military, martial law, right off the bat. Is that Project Twenty Twenty Five? Also, absolutely. We'll have to do an episode about Project Twenty Twenty Five because I don't think enough people know about it and/or are taking the threat seriously enough. If you live in a state where you can get progressively minded individuals into power, your state will actually become less dangerous. Absolutely, it will. Especially in terms of guns, because these people will pass laws that can actually help you. We hear a lot about universal background checks, and I'm definitely a proponent for universal background checks. But the role of universal background checks really comes in in reducing criminal acquisition. So like criminals getting firearms But it kind of does little to stop gun deaths. So 96% of Americans are in favor of a universal background check. And like I said, they do have a role to play. But what's better than a universal background check is something called licensing. And this is kind of what Sam was talking about earlier, because every other developed country in the world, except for the United States, already has licensing laws and that's why they have so many so much lower gun deaths and when you zoom in on the united states there are states like massachusetts like connecticut who have much lower gun deaths than other states and guess what they have licensing systems and in the places that don't have licensing systems or had them and removed them after they removed their licensing systems They saw guns go back up, gun deaths go right back up again. And it's not just mass shootings. Mass shootings are on the rise. Actually, 2023 is the first year that mass shootings went up while other things went down. So the trajectory was going the opposite direction. Because a lot of gun violence (laughs) is the stuff we talked about before when when we talked about your nephew, Denise, of people enacting, using these guns and enacting violence. But even more so than that, it's gun suicide. 55% or so of gun deaths are suicides. And the overwhelming majority of people that killed themselves in America, especially with a gun, are white males 18 to 35. So 
to me, that's a piece that they're really missing about this gun conversation, because a lot of that demographic is very vehemently pro-gun and not understanding the dangers that that gun in their home is posing to them beyond what we're talking about in the other ways of gun violence. That is wild, man. I mean, like a hundred, it's about 134 people a day in America that die of gun violence or gun death. So unnecessary. So, so unnecessary. But if you were to pass licensing laws and if we were to get people in there that were interested in passing licensing laws, not only does 77% of the whole United States, so all Americans, that's like over three quarters of them, are all in favor of licensing. Even 68% of those who live in a house with a gun support licensing. So that goes back to what we were saying before about how the NRA very much controlled the gun narrative and the gun conversation. And the stuff that they push isn't even in line with American or American gun owners. Yep. See, just how you know they're not being serious because if you don't even want universal background checks, you don't even want I mean, minor things. Red flag laws. Right. Nothing. You don't want anything. You just want people just to have free reign to purchase uh, killing machines and just kill people. It's about money. It's not about people. It's not about self-defense or, or, you know, take, you know, you're protecting your family and your home and your property. It is about money. See what I mean? And now they're talking about even letting children have the authority to walk around with guns. That's children. craziness. This is how depraved you see we that have become. Girl, she, her dad took her to a gun range. She was five years old and tried to teach her how to shoot. I think it was an MP40, which oh, is a, an automatic weapon or a machine gun. And she lost control and killed her father. Well. She will have to live the rest of her life knowing that she killed her father as a result of her father's negligence. Oh, my God. Mm. Wow. Like, where, where do you draw the line? Like, Why was it, to me, honestly, why was it even like, because he brought her to to do this and everybody that worked there in the state laws apparently all said yeah that's fine go have your five-year-old shoot these weapons i mean yeah. it blows my mind even even in this country you can start driving at a young age but like you can still fire a gun at way younger than you can drive a car yeah yeah and just like i was saying earlier there's really some republicans that want to raise the voting age to 25 but lower the age to buy guns and why is that? Okay, you want to raise the voting age because so many young people that voted in the midterms last year made a difference in the outcome. I These aren't even real conversations that they're trying to have. Like, okay, first of all, taxation without representation, I think not. <laughs> because I'm not going to be working for this society and this economy and paying taxes and not have a vote. Second of all, if you can send me at 18 overseas to go kill people or be killed, then I'm pretty sure I have a right to vote. That's right. And also buy alcohol while we're at it. I mean, these are just not real conversations that they're trying to have. 
It's not. Anyways, <laughs> I know democracy is on the line, Denise, but to uh, wrap up this conversation, there's one other thing that I really wanted to get off my chest about the gun debate. Since COVID, the U.S. has seen a 23% increase in gun deaths, like just in two years. So they looked at 2019 and then they looked at 2021. Over that time, gun laws have gotten looser, so that probably contributes there. And... <laughs> The gun deaths for children and teens rose by 50%. And it's the leading cause of death. Yeah, I, yes. Gun violence is the leading cause of death. That's five times higher than drownings. That's more than car accidents. That's more than anything you can imagine. The number one cause, leading cause of death for children in America is gun violence. And it, on average, takes 108 seconds to get one. That is scary. That is absolutely horrifying. And 108 seconds isn't enough time to rethink what you're about to do. Totally. That's part of the reason with the licensing. If you were to go through a licensing rather than a universal background check, because really the 108 seconds is counting how long it takes, on average, for the FBI criminal background check to come back. But the FBI background check is only checking for people who are quote unquote good or people who don't have a record and people who are already bad. So because you have to have some kind of record. So there's that third kind of person who is somebody who's dangerous and probably shouldn't have a gun. And if a mental health person were to screen them or the cops or whatever, you would probably recognize that and maybe be able to stop that person from having a gun. And that whole process takes about three weeks to do the licensing. But 97% of people that go through the licensing procedure get accepted to have a gun. So if you're a law-abiding citizen, nothing about these licensing laws are going to keep you from being able to access and have a gun, even for leisure purposes. But it will stop impulsive gun sales for the things that you guys were just talking about, where Oh, you catch your wife or whatever cheating on you. So you don't have a gun in your home. But if you can go to the store and buy a gun in 108 seconds and come home with it, maybe you will kill her. Maybe you're still an act of passion or whatever these people want to call it. But if you have to wait two to three weeks, maybe you've come to your senses by that point that murder isn't the right answer. Absolutely. I mean, just like these gun shows, these I've seen people bring their whole entire families, little mm -hmm. children to the gun shows. And it's like you're looking at. And that's DSI less than 108 sort. seconds because there's no background check required at a gun right. show nor in a private sale. You're, you're fawning over you're fawning over these guns like you like you're fawning over a video game or yeah. or the latest you know appliance or something like that. But they're guns. And they'll tell you that the gun violence problem isn't because of guns or anything. Oh, it's these violent video games. It's this violent rap music. Okay, well, how come the rest of the developed world plays American video games and listens to American music and doesn't kill people the way that we do? Absolutely. Like you said, they're always dude. looking for a scapegoat, and they yeah. always manage to find one in their brains. With these about these scapegoats, you know, it's the music, it's the videos. Instead of just saying we need to do something about this easy access to to deadly weapons, 
that's what we yeah. need to be focusing and like, on. Like you said, D, if you're a law-abiding citizen, you don't have to worry about anything. Just comply by the rules. All good. You're not taking right. your guns away. You can have your guns. We're just we're controlling the ease of getting a gun. That's all we're trying to do. And yeah. I don't understand the animosity of having to wait two to three weeks. Unless I'm a freaking murderer or something, what could I possibly need a gun for immediately? If I want to go on a hunting trip or if I want to go to the gun range or something, why couldn't I wait two to three weeks? What what is so immediate? It's just planning. It's like, oh, you you want to go on a vacation, right? You pre-plan, you book a flight in advance. You just book your gun in advance. You don't go to the airport, go straight to the desk at check-in and go, I want to go to this country, can I pay now, do you? You plan it because that's how the system is. And honestly, if I was going to go on a hunting trip with you and then you told me, oh, wait, I have to go still buy my gun, I don't want to go on a hunting trip with you anymore. <laughs> like, what? Is that the first time you've handled this thing that can that kill people? That doesn't ideal at all. But this is what happened with Uvalde. The guy that bought that that bought those guns, it waited until his 18th birthday, and then went straight to the gun store and dropped cash, thousands of dollars, on that gun that he used to kill all his children. And that should have never been possible. Never. Seriously, I just like I said earlier, every single day in America. Approximately 134 people will die as a result of a gun-related death. And a gun-related death does include two categories, homicide and suicide. Yeah. 81% of murders in the United States that happen are with a gun. And 55% of suicides are with a gun. So that means about 72 people in the U.S. a day, die by gun during suicide and 58 die by homicide with a gun every day. That, those um, are some hard statistics. And they're just <laughs> unacceptable. It doesn't even begin to cover it. But yeah, well, do we have any closing comments? <laughs> no, I'm spent out. All right, then, listeners, that does it for us this week. Thank you for tuning in and staying informed and being a part of our podcast community. You can follow us on social media, Spotify, and YouTube at the real deal underscore pod. Again, that's at the real deal underscore pod. Let us know your thoughts and questions because we want to hear them and we really value your feedback. So don't hesitate to reach out to us. Your engagement would really mean the world to us. Thank you, everyone.